1: Hi, Chris, how are you?
0: I'm great, thanks, Farah. What have you got for me in today's quick fire round?
1: Today, we're looking at the world of tech and innovation. Are you ready?
0: Let's go for it.
1: Snapchat or TikTok?
0: Can I say neither? Um, obviously, because I work in media, I'm incredibly familiar with both. So You're
1: literally trying to bullshit me right now, Chris. Talk. I'm never off
0: Snapchat. Um, we're inseparable.
1: Great. Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos?
0: I think Elon, first name terms, obviously, me and Elon. I just think he's just a crazy genius. Bill Gates or Steve Jobs? I think Bill Gates. I think Bill Gates is is a genuinely remarkable man. He's the greatest philanthropist there's ever been. And he's not just giving money away, I say just, but the scale of his ambition that he wants to achieve with that. And you know what? You kind of think he might just succeed. Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. I think Spotify is a genuinely, fabulously thought through uh, product that I use all the time.
1: Sheryl Sandberg or Mark Zuckerberg?
0: Sheryl Sandberg. First of all, she's she's done it twice. I mean, she transformed Google uh, and then transformed Facebook. And I just think she's a real international icon.
1: And finally, Silicon Valley or the famous Silicon Roundabout?
0: It's a tough one, but I'm going to go Silicon Roundabout because I live about five minutes away and there's a great kebab shop on the corner. And I'm sure they've got lots of stuff going for them in Silicon Valley, but have they got a great kebab shop?
1: Even though I said it's famous, most people probably won't know what that is. So you might need to tell our American audience what the Silicon Roundabout
0: is. Well, a kebab shop is somewhere where they... (laughs) No, Silicon Roundabout is London's equivalent of uh, Silicon Valley, which is literally a roundabout in East London with apparently some tech companies around it. Um, I don't know whether there even are any, but that's the rumour.
1: And just before we get to the episode, it's worth noting to our listeners that this was recorded earlier this year in February, before the coronavirus pandemic disrupted all of our lives and the UK went into lockdown.
0: Hello, and welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership podcast powered by Intelligence Squared. I'm Chris Hurst, author of No Bullshit Leadership, and in my day job, I'm global CEO of Havas Creative Group leadership is difficult but not complicated in this podcast series i want to help you cut through the bullshit and get to the heart of modern leadership which put simply is the power to get stuff done and make stuff happen in each episode i'm joined by a different inspirational leader who is doing just that leading change in their worlds of business technology sports or politics today's episode is with the wikipedia founder and internet pioneer jimmy wales Jimmy Wales is one of the most influential leaders of the internet age and perhaps the most successful Silicon Valley entrepreneur to not become a billionaire. He experimented with crowdfunding before it was a thing and even came up with Deliveroo before they did. 1.5 billion devices access Wikipedia every single month and it's not an exaggeration to say that across the world Wikipedia has changed the way we access knowledge. Welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. Thanks for having me. In three words, describe your leadership style. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Friendly. I try to be thoughtful and lazy.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, very but, good. No, that... no, not that surprising. <laughs> I've got some pretty with that. Um, if you could delete any word from the business or leadership jargon dictionary, what would it be? Crowdsourcing. I can explain why. Crowdsourcing yes, please do. Crowdsourcing comes
2: from the word outsourcing, which is all about thinking about where do you find cheap labour. And if you think of your community around your work... As cheap labor, you've got it all wrong. It's about finding out what they want to do and support them.
0: Which leader do you most admire, present or past?
2: I don't think I can single out any one in particular. Um, I can, I, it's more I can s- single out the type. Yeah. I like a leader who is very thoughtful and slow and reflective. So basically, if you think of Donald Trump and then imagine the opposite, that's who I like. OK.
0: <laughs> I wondered if we get Trump in there somewhere. And what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: I was very sensitive as a child. And if somebody said something that hurt my feelings, I would be very upset. And my father said, you shouldn't care so much what other people think.
0: And I'm like, OK. Well, you've and certainly stuck with that. I've stuck with that. Yeah, it's good advice. Um, your parents know best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and final question, what's the best decision you've ever made?
2: I think the best decision I've ever made, and I used to say this in two ways. So I think the best decision I've ever made is to put Wikipedia into the nonprofit uh, structure. Uh, but I, I used to say it like this. It's the best decision and the worst decision I ever made as a joke because now I'm not a billionaire. But I stopped saying that worst part because people would take that far too seriously. Oh, he really regrets not being a billionaire. It's the worst decision I ever made. I'm like, You know, it's a joke. Like, it's the best. Trust me.
0: So what does a billion hits a month feel
2: like? It's an amazing thing. I mean, every uh, month we see 1.5 billion devices. And that's not necessarily 1.5 billion people because probably uh, you see Wikipedia on your phone and on your desktop computer, you know, so two devices. But we still think it's probably 600, 700 million people every month. So we're part of the infrastructure of the world, really, now. Uh, it's something people rely on whenever they want to know something.
0: So, so. For, for reasons you just explained, just about everybody's familiar with Wikipedia, because mm. we're all visiting it all the time. Yes. I, I'm, I'm guessing most people or many people will be less familiar with WT Social. Do you want to tell us a bit about what that
2: is? Yeah. Well, WT Social, Wiki Tribune Social, is my new project, new platform. The concept here, and I can go Quite a rant about what's broken. Please do about the Please horrible. do. Well, my next
0: question was does the world really need another social media business? So yes, that might be a yes, good, it uh, definitely a good does. segue.
2: Um, well, I started this project a couple of years ago, realizing that something's terribly wrong with the news. You know, we see the rise of low-quality media, clickbait, headlines, real fake news, which is a thing that does exist. It's not, you know, Donald Trump calls everything he doesn't like fake news, but there is a real phenomenon. And I just thought, you know, I need to, I need to figure something out here. Um, I think everybody has a responsibility to say, look, something's wrong in the world. Let's try and fix it. What is the environment that's causing that? That's what we need to fix. There's nothing wrong with journalism. Journalism is great. There's great journalists out there. It's the media that they're working in. And so for me, this is where the, the real realization is that the advertising-only business model of Facebook and Twitter um, in particular, because they're the ones who most deal with news. Obviously, there's other social platforms, but their business model is to show you as many ads as possible, to keep you engaged,
0: to keep you clicking, which leads to a do design. You think, do you think ads get, I mean, I'm not sure that ads keep people engaged. I mean, I work in advertising. People spend a lot of time trying to avoid ads. Yeah,
2: and I'm, by the way, I'm not anti-evertising. No, no. But the but point I, but I, is, yeah, it's, no, it's not necessarily the ads, but they want to show as many ads. Yes, as possible, that's for sure, right? They do, yeah. And obviously, I mean, from their perspective, they want you to pay for the ad, so it needs to have some return for you. Yes. That's good, but they'd rather somebody just look at your ad and then stay on Facebook, right, and not go off and engage with your uh, amazing creative for sure. uh, thing. Anyway, the point is that in in that environment, what they want to optimize is for people's time on site, which leads to optimizing for clickbait headlines, for fluffy content, for shareable viral things, uh, because that's what keeps us addicted, even though there's another part of our minds that says that's not really what I want. People are you know, familiar with the the mail onlines, their, their layout where they've got whatever sort of screaming headline story they've got here. And then they've got their sidebar of shame, as it's called, yep. which is all celebrity, uh, fluffy nonsense and uh, lots of bikinis. There's always bikinis there and that's because that's what people click on. And so I said, look, what if we had a different kind of social network where everything is optimized around content that the community, a community very much like the Wikipedia community has decided is quality. Like these are quality things that you should read, these are things that you're going to find interesting. Is is it a
0: news site or a social site or something New that we don't, it's, the like of which we don't quite have at the it's, moment. It's
2: something completely new, I would say. So it is it is primarily a social site. We we say it's a social site focused on news, but it's an unusual social site. So every post or nearly every post uh, is collaboratively editable. So the idea is like I can post something and say, oh here's here's a, a good link to the Center for Disease Control's article about. Uh, coronavirus and their current thinking about that. And then somebody else can come and say, oh well here's actually a similar one from the UK. And they can you can build something together to say, here's a reference to this news topic. We've launched with no ads uh, and no paywall. So a series of bad business decisions, but that's how I've built <laughs> my career so far. And the idea is to say, look, we can find a different model for, for social media. And so the model I'm learned from and created with Wikipedia is to say look, pay for it if you want to. There is a place. We do ask you to pay. You don't have to pay. And what I want people to think about is what does that do to our incentives? So inside WT Social. Our incentives as
0: in within your organization? Within the the organization. So
2: for my my incentive. So with WT Social, the fact that we don't have ads and we don't have a paywall means, wow, the only reason you'll pay is the same only reason you pay for Wikipedia is if you say, you know what, this is meaningful. Like this is something that I think should exist in the world. It's made my life better. I should chip in. I I believe in this, and that's a very different incentive from my incentive. If I say, "How do I get you on the site for three more minutes a day?"
0: And are people doing that? In yeah, we've had, we've had a huge success. I mean, it's.
2: I was hoping to see one out of every two hundred people pay. That was my back of the envelope estimate that if we got that, we would be able to to go forward. And it's a lot better than that. Wow. It's you know, it's it's good now. Time will tell. Right. Uh, first of all, this is the early adopter crowd. So this is people who know my work. Uh, they're interested. They they think like I do that. Hey, I do think something like this should exist. I'm happy to chip in to help Jimmy try to realize this. Whether we can grow beyond that, where we have not 500,000 people, but 500 million people, and we still see one out of every 200
0: pay to be seen. Can I take you take you back a a few years when did you realize first realize the revolutionary potential of the internet and I suppose Um, obvious follow-up question has it lived up to or down to (laughs) your expectations yeah I mean actually quite early on I remember back at university
2: I joined a politics discussion list and I sent an email to someone and then they responded that they were in Australia and I was like wow Australia, you know, I'm a kid in Alabama. It's hard to even conceive of such a thing. I was actually worried that the university was going to be angry because I would somehow run up a long-distance phone bill. I had no idea how the structure of the internet worked. I'm like, how did email get from Australia? Did I'm, I'm imagining a dial-up, you know, they had to call the computer. And Anyway, I had that I'm, all my wrong. My first but...
0: admission, by the way, I, I mm. did a degree in engineering, and I, I remember very clearly going to the, the um, computer science lab, as it was then, and, and being given something that they described as an email address, uh, and thinking to myself, I cannot conceive of any possible use for this whatsoever, and sent one in my four years at engineering, Uh, so that is slightly shameful. I ended up in advertising, so draw your own
2: conclusions. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) given how destroyed my inbox is, I I sometimes think, what (laughs) is the point of email? It's ruining my life. Anyway, so that was that was quite early on, uh, you know, sort of realizing that this could be very powerful. And then as the Internet started to grow, this is what I would say about Wikipedia. One of the reasons Wikipedia is so successful is that I think almost everybody, when they first got on the Internet and they first – Realize, hey, we can talk to people. There is this quite utopian thought of, wow, people can – I can learn about the world. People can share knowledge all around the world.
0: And, that, and, that's, how and then, was, that's very much how the internet was seen. I mean, yeah, it, it yeah. wasn't it. It would bring well, then, down totalitarian so states the, and all this kind of in thing,
2: the, In the dot-com boom, it started to feel like it was all pop-up ads and, you know, selling dog food and so forth. And that was when I launched Wikipedia – and I, and I think a lot of people thought so this, oh, is, this, yeah, this t- is this is two thousand two thousand one, 2001 yeah, yeah. yeah and i think a lot of people thought wow yeah this is great like sharing knowledge that that is what the internet's for that's what i thought it was about and now we can do that so it was it was very successful and popular now has the internet lived it, it has absolutely yeah i'm a huge fan of the internet i'm a big critic of certain problems that we have right now um, and do you think net the positives net outweigh the the positives are, are enormous and you know the the, the openness, um, the communication, the – you know, I have a lot of concerns about censorship, for example. But the internet makes censorship very, very difficult, obviously not impossible.
0: Is fake news or at least the uh, institutionalized fake news – mm-hmm. it's not just people, individuals giving their opinion. But it, it, is that a form of censorship in the sense that if you just put enough fake stuff out there, it's hard to tell – that. It's hard to tell what's I, real.
2: I mean, it's interesting. I mean, certainly what we are seeing is state-backed disinformation campaigns, which is – I wouldn't call it censorship exactly because that's a particular concept, mm. but it's in that realm of misleading people, confusing people, you know, flood the zone with so much nonsense that it's hard for people to even know what's going on, what's true or not. I mean, my example of this is most recently is – Maybe Ukraine is the one who hacked those servers. It's like, no, like literally no. There's zero evidence of that. And just saying it a thousand times doesn't make it something that's actually true. But saying it a thousand times means a lot of people who aren't sort of digging in and paying attention are thinking, oh,
0: I don't – I can't." there was some scandal. I don't know. Was it Ukraine hacked the servers or were the Russians or – I, you know? I mean I find myself doing <laughs> that increasingly now. Even when I see a photograph now, if mm. I see it on a social media platform, mm. I will – particularly if it's a photograph being look, look at this or wow can you believe this person did this yeah i will try and find out where that yeah. photograph came from but well, one of the it's things is sort of at least yeah. question more which maybe is a good a, thing
2: yeah i think it is i think i think if we all step back and say what where, what is the information we're receiving and where does it come from is it quality this is something i think should be taught in schools in a much more aggressive way than it ever had to be in the past because in the past the range of information sources open to you was fairly narrow compared to today. Today, you know, you if you want to know about coronavirus, right, you can you can get everything from crank crazy people, blogs, rumors on Twitter to serious sort of thoughtful things from official agencies to actually. And also this is a, a funny way of thinking about it, but I was looking at a uh, an academic medical journal, a scientific paper about sequencing coronavirus, and I was reading it, and I thought, this is actually potentially misinforming because I literally have no idea what I'm reading. I'm not an expert in this. Like, I could take one sentence here and misunderstand it and come away with the belief. So I actually don't need to read the the direct scientific literature. I need somebody... Who does yeah to, it, intermediate it. to intermediate To yes, intermediate and explain yes, it yeah. to me. Um, and the question then is, who do you trust to do that, I suppose? Yeah, Where do I you mean, find uh, those people? You know, one of the things I find very interesting is when we look at the Edelman Trust Barometer Survey, which they've been doing every year for, for a long time, that uh, in the most recent survey, it's still the case that the most trusted group in society is scientists. And that's That's really good news, Um, given that amount of science skepticism that we see, given, you know, the the anti-vaxxers. And um, uh, I was really happy to see the head of the NHS complain about goop the other day. I'm like, great. (laughs) Yeah, climate change, you know, all of these things. But people still do trust scientists. And I do think I'm. I'm quite old-fashioned in a way about that sort of thing. Who do I trust? I trust thoughtful experts.
0: Yes, me too. I, I'm exactly the opposite. I'm absolutely not fed up of experts. I love <laughs> oh, yeah, hearing yeah, from experts. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's actually quite invigorating. Exactly.
2: And uh,
0: so, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a funny time in history. As well as a company leader, you you genuinely are a thought leader. Uh, what gives you your sense of achievement? A lot of things. I mean, certainly, I'm quite proud of.
2: Wikipedia and what the Wikipedia community has accomplished. You know, some meaningful moments for me are, you know, times I I like when I'm traveling, I like to visit schools in the developing world because I'm really interested in education and what's going on there. And when I meet young people in a very poor area, but they've all got a mobile phone and they all know Wikipedia uh, because they use it for their homework and they don't have, you know. The school doesn't have any books in the library, you know, it's that sort of thing. And realizing like, wow, this is actually impacting people's lives in a positive way that they're able to learn what they want to know. I mean, that's a fantastic thing. I mean, it's a really wonderful piece of it. So that gives me
0: a sense of achievement. Do you feel it also comes with a a heavy responsibility for you personally? Um, yeah, definitely. Or do you feel and it sits in. with the community, or do you sort
2: of share well, it with the community? I, I'm part of the community, so I feel it. You know, I think we should feel it. We do feel it. You know, when you're part of the infrastructure of the world in the way that we are, we do have a heavy responsibility to to get it right, to to do the best we can. Obviously, Wikipedia has errors; it will always have errors. Doing quality reference material is really, really hard, and and mistakes will be made. But you particularly see, uh, and I actually haven't looked this up, but I can guarantee you if you go, there's a page online, you can look up the traffic to Wikipedia pages. Our traffic about coronavirus has gone through the roof. And that is because people are typing it into search engines and then they're they're going down the list and they're going to click on Wikipedia because they trust Wikipedia. They know, of course, it isn't perfect and so forth, but they also know that it's honest Uh, and that it's calm, and that it's going to be fact-based. And so then you say, well, the people who are working on that, they have a heavy responsibility.
0: I mean, treat us to your role as a leader and a founder, and I suppose as a figurehead, with with all all of your ventures. I mean, do, do you... They are obviously very, very heavily community driven very they are yeah. I mean they are they are bait they are founded yeah. in the principles of a community. Yeah. If you look at it sometimes and think, oh we're you know this bit's well, getting away from us, and so we need to change our I mean, procedures I, or yeah, I mean there are definitely
2: times when you know i I say look we we need to find a solution here. One of the issues we have is it's become very hard to become an administrator, and people agree it should be easier to become an administrator. Now there's five different proposals for how to do that, and none of them has the majority support, and therefore we're stuck. And we've been stuck for a couple of years at least, you know. And I was like, yeah, okay, I know that feeling, right? And so you have to sort of go through some sort of a process to, to get consensus. And ultimately, keep, you know,
0: does the does, do, do challenges like that, ultimately, do they end up on your – Desk or your, I don't know, your Um, mobile phone. Not really, not not anymore. No, no. I
2: don't get involved in day to day policy, but I I weigh in from time to time, and people do listen, so I have influence there. But that's always been the case, right? It's just it's the nature of a community of volunteers. You can't boss people around and tell them what to do because they'll just go, "No, I'm not going to do that," and that's that. So you have to bring people on board. Which, by the way, I I believe is actually you know when I speak to businesses. And about leadership, I say, you know what? That's actually true in businesses as well, right? If you think I'm going to tell people what to do and I have to do it because I pay them, you're going to be sorely disappointed because unless people genuinely want to do the thing and they genuine buy in, yeah, they'll probably do it because they don't want to get fired, but they're not going to be happy. They're going to leave as soon as they can or they're going to do What you're demanding in a half-hearted way. I
0: mean, that's that's certainly my my view and belief is that the the, if you like the top-down management style, which is I think what your command Mm. and control, let's say, which is what I think you're describing. I think maybe that worked once. I I don't know, but I certainly think it doesn't work now. I mean,
2: Um, I I think it only ever worked in sort of the worst of situations where it's you know uh, your job is to stand here by a machine and turn that screw. And you need to do this many per hour and you can only take breaks here and there. And it just doesn't really work in any kind of employment that involves human creativity and thinking, which, by the way, everything does. Yeah, everything. And, does. and so, you know, that trusting people, training them so they have the capacity to deal with whatever comes up and
0: then trusting them to just deal with it is the only way. The way I think to talk about that is I think that's that is fundamentally about organisational culture. It's creating an environment mm. where uh, where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, mm. I suppose. Yeah. Um, well,
2: I mean, one of the lessons from the from the Wikipedia world is that talent is much more widely distributed in society than people might have originally thought. Truth is, lots of people are, are polymaths. They have lots of different interests and they're lots of different talents. And young or old, you know, they're able to to dig deep and and do something.
0: Has failure played a role in your success?
2: Definitely, definitely. In fact, I, I often, if I'm asked to speak to entrepreneurs, and particularly young entrepreneurs, I always come in and say, oh, well, here I am, and you think I'm going to tell you an inspirational story of my success, but I'm actually going to, to tell you about all my failures.
0: People love hearing about failures. Yeah, I mean,
2: I, and I actually think it's more, more interesting. It's more important. It certainly helps you understand how I got where I am. Uh, you know, I, like the, the tagline in the speech is failure. Jimmy Wells is good at it. And, <laughs> you know, it, it is true. And it's, it's actually, you know, it's when I start something new now, it's both a lot easier for me and in a certain psychological way, a lot harder. Um, and this is what I tell young entrepreneurs, I'm like, go out, try your thing and fail. And guess what? If it fails, nobody's even going to know. What's like, the, literally, nobody's paying attention to you. If I go out and fail, everybody's like, <laughs> and that's great. I've, I'm over it. Like, I don't what, care.
0: What's the, what's, the, what's the biggest or most inc- uh, important lesson, Failure's you?
2: I've learned a lot of lessons, you know, things like, I mean, you jokingly said in the intro that I invented Deliveroo before Deliveroo, but I did try to do a... a online food ordering business. And that one, it was just too early. Like people didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And, you know, in 1996, restaurant owners in particular were like, do you mean a fax machine? Like I, they don't even know what the web is or the internet. So here's what I, I say to young entrepreneurs. Like, first of all, when things aren't going well, you have to be willing to persist and push through and solve those problems. And people may doubt you. They may not agree. And You just have to push through and, and make it happen. Also, you need to realize when something's not working that you need to radically pivot and change. The problem is these are completely contradictory bits of advice, right? So you hit a problem and you think, should I stop doing this and go to something completely different or should I push through? And that's the art of entrepreneurship really is, is learning over time to recognize as fast as you can, hey, this is this is not working because I need to tweak this, that, and the other, or this is fundamentally a bad idea. This is never going to work and I need to change completely. And you never know. Like that's the – in some ways that's the joy of entrepreneurship, but it's also the pain of entrepreneurship.
0: I mean by by any measure you've been incredibly successful. What do you think your your greatest strengths are? Uh, I'm, I'm a very friendly person.
2: A very <laughs> that, friendly. Friendly very person. Friendly person, yeah. So, I mean it's interesting because you, you, you're reading about different business leaders. People can be successful with very different styles. For sure. And so you've got sort of legendary – the Steve Jobs kind of a tyrant right but a genius a creative genius and bullies people through things and and they and pushes them hard to achieve more than they ever could have and that's a style that's totally not me i, I was just not i can't do that i'm just not that type of person and my approach is much more friendly. Like, I'm just like, I like people. And, um, you know, like, let's have some fun. And let's try something interesting and so on. And so and that's, that's not a perfect leadership style. You know, it's got its problems. I'm often I'm very bad at firing people who need to be fired because I'm just too nice. And I just think, you know, well, let's try and figure out how to how to what can this person do? How can we improve and so on, which is good in a way, but you can go too far with it. So I'm that's a weakness of mine.
0: Do you think you're just are uh, not afraid of fate, or does it just um, not enter your head? Is that just not a, a, an equation uh, I mean, you consider? Uh,
2: you have to consider it a bit and you you have to be I mean you you're a little afraid. There was a story uh, in Wired about Wiki Tribune. Uh, when I was in the middle of a pivot, so we had the old model wasn't working. I laid off all the journalists. The headline like, he was going to save journalism. He failed, right? I, was, I forget the exact quote, but I'm like, well, that that's actually ouch, right? Uh, and by the way, you got all the facts wrong. We didn't fire all the staff. Only the journalists. Fake news. You know, fake news. Um, but you know those kinds of things. You know, like people say to me, are you nervous when you get up to give speeches? I give speeches a speech? lot. Like, speech that no, no, zero, not at all. And I mean, there is, a, there is a part of me that just in my mind, there's a piece that says, I don't care what you think of me, right? Because go fuck yourself. I invented Wikipedia, so I'm happy, right? <laughs> I, I, I don't feel I've not contributed to the world. I don't feel I've not done a good thing. So anything else I want to do now, it's it's my right to like screw things up and do it wrong and fail and, and whatever. It's a little embarrassing when a failure happens, but it's really more about saying, you know what, actually, if... If you wanna innovate, unless you're on the brink of failure in some sense, you're probably not actually innovating, right? You're not trying something new because if you're trying something new and untested, obviously you're gonna get it wrong sometimes. You'll get it right sometimes as well. I always say this about the money question. I live here in London and the number of bankers in the city right here who make far more money than I ever will, right, is huge. I have no idea. There's lots of them and they're very wealthy, right? And I'm like, I wouldn't trade with any of them for a second because, I I mean, my life is so interesting. I can go anywhere and see anybody. And if I go to a country and I want to meet the president, I just, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, the Wikipedia guy, I'll meet him. That's amazing. Like, what what a treat in life to know that I can do whatever I want in that sense. Not on my own jet. Right. (laughs) you know you can buy plane tickets
0: <laughs> you, you mentioned you mentioned earlier there was a there was a story behind the nearly deliveroo did yeah, I, yeah. What, what is that yeah so i
2: i did i it was exactly you know what i was saying like i set up a business like quite early on on the internet and i was working in downtown chicago and we were, you know, people order lunch out and you had to fax in your order or a call and a lot of mistakes and all that. And I just I knew like I'm on the internet. I'm like, this this is obviously gonna move on the internet. That you'll be able to go on a website and order food from anywhere you want and have it delivered. And so I built the website and sort of got a system for putting menus in. It was all very primitive and so on. And then I went out to local restaurants. I literally couldn't convince them to to sign up. They were just like, I don't I literally have no idea what you're talking about order food on the internet like that what what like I can't even understand that so I was like okay <laughs> that didn't work
0: <laughs> there you go maybe every maybe every idea has its time
2: as I well think as... every idea has its time and actually this is another thing I, I talk about to young entrepreneurs and actually also to policy makers and, and sort of a cultural point point. one of the fantastic things about the Silicon Valley culture which has its flaws of course but one of the great things about it is the idea that If you try a startup and it fails, that doesn't mean your career is over and that you're a loser. And in fact, what it probably means is you're too early, you're too late. You know, there's always reasons. And if you learned from it, then you're likely to get a second backing or you're going to get a fantastic job at Google or something like that. And in a lot of cultures, particularly in the East, uh, actually continental Europe is is not perfect in this regard. There is this sense that if you try to do a startup and you fail, it's going to be shameful and you're probably going to damage your job prospects in the future and so on and so forth. And certainly anybody in a position of power, like if you're hiring someone uh, at a big company in Paris... I hope nobody looks at a a failed entrepreneur and says, "ooh, failed, right? I hope they say, oh, that's super interesting, right? I've got all these other sort of people who've never tried anything in their life.
0: I agree with that entirely. I think timing is interesting as well. I I heard somebody talking about 4G and 5G, and an idea is relevant to the technology context that it's launched in as well. So 4G enabled Mm. Uber. Uber couldn't have existed with Mm. 3G. And I think it's an interesting conversation now, which is what will 5G enable Mm-hmm. Maybe there's somebody's had a Deliveroo type mm-hmm. idea that's died that will will yeah. thrive once I, 5G I, I, comes along. I think along. that's exactly right. You know, sometimes
2: people ask me, what do you think the next big thing in tech is well, going to be? My, that, yeah. Well, that is <laughs> nearly my next question. And I you? always say, look, I'm an entrepreneur. So if I knew that, I'd start <laughs> building it.
0: My final question then. So you nearly touched on this, but what next for you? I'm 100% focused right
2: now on WT Social, so WikiTribune Social. If people like my ideas and they've heard this, I please come and sign up. Um, please pay if you want to, but you don't have to. I just think we can build something new and different uh, in the area of social media that will help save journalism and therefore help save the world.
0: Jimmy Wells, thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you. Yeah, great to be here. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please take a moment to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.